this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I am an evolutionary astrologer and a channel and an energy worker. And I do a lot of work with crystals and stones. Some MP3s here on SoundCloud have explained that process. And also there's some videos on YouTube and also lots of info on my site. This is a, a kind of a, a diary I do periodically. Uh, and this one's on Mukaite. Uh, it's spelled M-O-O-K-A-I-T-E, Mukaite. Um, and it's a sixth chakra stone. And I uh, was nudged or guided to work with it a number of years ago, several years ago, toward the beginning of this process. And um, the material that I got in the beginning was, well, I worked it up. I, po I polished it. I ground it. I polished it and energetically charged it, and it was awesome. I loved it, and people bought it, and it was great. <laughs> and I said, this is great. And I went to get more material, and it turns out this this other material was so hard, it was impossible to make pretty, and I had this block about it. Um, <laughs> it was just so hard it would take, I mean, even spending like two hours on one piece wasn't enough, and that's absurd. Like, even regular jaspers aren't that hard. So anyway, this, this is a kind of jasper, but uh, it's a little different, obviously. So I was kind of discouraged with it, and, I, and I've carried around these like three, these five pieces, and then somebody bought one, and somebody bought one. So these three pieces for a while to these different um, expos and psychic fairs that I've done over the couple years. Um, and then a client wrote me a, f a couple of months ago and said, hey, do you, can, I, can I get a mukaite? I remember you used to do those, and I really want one. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, here are the three, you know, that I have. And then I actually um, remembered there were, I think, four that were halfway polished or halfway ground um, on my site. You, it, the process is called cutting. Like, you would think it's polishing, but polishing is the last of these, like, five different phases. Actually, six if you include cutting it on a diamond-bladed saw. And then sitting on these grinding wheels by hand you know, shaping them on the grinding wheel in these progressively finer grits, and the grit is diamond paste, you know, diamond embedded in the wheel. So anyway, you're cutting, 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 and then you're polishing. But anyway, sitting on the grinding wheel, um, I had four of them that were like halfway done, and I had stopped because I was discouraged that they couldn't be pretty. <laughs> so I finished them. And then I energetically programmed them, and it felt amazing. So then I took a picture of those four and sent it to the client and said, hey, and she picked two of them. And so then I had these two left. And I was so encouraged, and I was reconnected with the vibration of the mukaite. And I was really happy. And these two are red with some pink um, and a little bit of, like, gray and beige pockets in it. Whoops, there, I'm dropping one. Um, gosh, now I have to figure out where it is. So... Anyway, I started hanging out with these two pieces, and then I started um, uh, sleeping with them some and carrying them with me. And what ended up happening is I went to a psychic fair in um, Phoenix. I'm trying to get this done. Went into a psychic fair in Phoenix, and um, I, I brought the muka with me, and they were on the table, and, and people weren't really into them, but people weren't really into crystals that day. Um, usually the bigger, like, two- and three-day shows, people were into the crystals. And I had Larimar, the, the blue stone, um, which is for the fifth chakra. I had that at one of each of my pocket, and it kind of helps me do readings. It kind of helps me stay aligned with 
what feels true and not get let my stuff or my projections or my concerns seep out when I'm doing readings. So I use Laramar all the time. And uh, I just posted a thing, a blog post, you can look it up, um, from this first week in June called um, What's Install- What Truth is Installed in Your Fifth Chakra. And it's about the fifth chakra and using Laramar to kind of clean things up. Anyway, if you read that post, you'll understand the full story of why I carry Laramar all the time. But when I got home from the psychic fair, after carrying my stuff into the fair, doing like an eight-hour, nine-hour fair, an eight-hour fair, whatever, and then carrying it back out and driving back home, and it was in Phoenix, so it was super fucking hot. It was crazy fucking hot. I was eh. when I got back to the place I was staying, I just walked in the bathroom, and I just let my pants fall down on the bathroom floor, and then I padded away and kind of reclined on the bed. So those stones were in those pants. I was so exhausted when I left. I just put those pants as is in the suitcase. So it's about a week until I use the Laramar again. And in the meantime, I'm using those two red um, mukaite pieces. And I have some dizziness, which I'm like vertigo essentially, which I'm I was attributing to the heat, and it is in part, but in part it's from the from the the mukaite because it's a sixth chakra stone. And I'll explain more about that particular effect and. And honestly, why you shouldn't expect any problems with it, but exacerbating my reaction to the heat, the mukaite want to reorganize what's happening between your left and right brain and how open they are and how open you are to intuition and other ways of knowing beyond logic. So anyway, um, in that week, I started to have all this emotional stuff come up, and it turns out that it kind of, I'm going to read to you a few minutes worth of written channeling I did, um, I guess about almost a week ago, because I was asking Ascended Master Jehudi about this. He's also known as Thoth, St. Germain, Merlin, Hermes. Uh, and I asked him about it because I was like, I realized that the stone was putting me in touch with this inner child that I knew was there, but only as of a year or two ago, really got the um, the deal that that part was imprinted with, just making a realization about something, and then um, only this last week actually felt what that part was feeling. And um, it was really profound and amazing. So I sat down to ask, ask Jehudi, like, you know, what's going on with the Mukai? Because... Well, I'll read it to you in a minute. But anyway, yeah, no, I'll read it to you and then I'll, then I'll explain. <laughs> so this is from um, June 4th, uh, which was this, this most recent Sunday, just four days ago. Uh, and it's just in a dialogue form. So I will, when I say Tom, that means that's my line. And then I'll give my line. And when I say Jehudi, that's his response. Just so you know how this works. If you haven't ever heard somebody read something to you before <laughs> in dialogue form. Tom says, Jehudi, can you help me understand this new-to-me effect of mukaite? Jehudi said, you are experiencing the clearing away of clutter that keeps you and has kept you from seeing the source of a primary issue that holds you back. The fear of rejection that was cemented during an abandonment when you were rather young looms so large that you have engineered much of your life to avoid being aware that it is there. 
Recently, your girlfriend has put your attention on some aspects of the construct that you use to keep yourself from feeling vulnerable. While you are now finding yourself feeling obsessed with the stone itself and looking at images of it online, the call you are feeling to delve into the inner situation has been increasing for months. And then I asked, what is the effect on my sixth chakra? That is what I perceive as new. Jehudi answered, you are experiencing a subtle parting of a curtain that you believed all this time was an actual backdrop. As if you are in a theater and some backstage tech has pulled a rope and the wall at the back of the stage parts revealing it was just a curtain. This is not a total clearing of debris, but your intuition is slowly becoming aware of the frequency behind the frequency that you run consciously as if truth. Tom, I haven't thought of mukaite as helpful for emotional issues before. I've used it to encourage flexibility and being open to new perspectives. Can you comment on mukaite as a stone to help heal emotional issues? Jehudi says, it may not serve all in this capacity. As humans are complex and often find that they have been carrying numerous energetic and emotional blocks for years and even lifetimes, it could function as a stimulation for emotional healing for many. The point is that your intuition and mind, the consciousness elements of your sixth chakra, are stimulated in a gentle way. The effect may seem to you and others as indirect, as you have taught about mukaite to many, in contrast to labradorite and spectrolite, the two other six chakra stones you program and offer. The mukaite has been slowly and gently nudging your energy field to cease editing out the trauma at the heart of what you are now healing. It has been the effort of your linear logical mind to edit the trauma out so that you can maintain an appearance of emotional health even as part of you is crying out inside you just as when your father left when you were two years old. The mukaite you are currently surrounding yourself with is having the effect of parting and then holding back the curtain that has seemed, your, has seemed to you your saving grace. You have positioned yourself as a teacher to help others heal their emotional issues, and this is a core issue of yours that you are ready to confront and resolve. You are no longer able to rest comfortably while overlooking the reality of what is occurring behind the curtain, the source of your loneliness that has come to serve as so entirely self-defining for you in this life. Tom, thank you. Would you recommend simply continuing to carry them, hold them while sleeping, and filling up the space on my desk to let them continue the process? Jehudi, there is a joke in your tone, but yes, keep them near. The work will come when you love this inner child of yours definitively and assuredly, with no doubt that you are able to, and that you are strong enough to do so. But the Mukaite can continue the effect of keeping the curtain parted, holding it open, so you can stay in touch with the feelings under the surface that you have come to see so cl clearly hold you back from being who you could be. You will continue to feel more vulnerability the more you work with Mukaite. Let this be what it is, and be willing to catch yourself wanting to return to the defensive postures and mechanisms upon which you have re relied for so long. Notice yourself when you feel small, and know that this child is with you, and put into practice what you know about holding space for an inner part to express through feeling 
while you detach from the emotional need of it, meeting that need by holding the space. You will have moments during the process when you feel you cannot handle more, that you cannot deal with feeling quite this vulnerable, and so on, and you are practiced in coming back to being centered and grounded, and I and your team know that you can do this. Then I said, thank you. Judy said, it is my pleasure. You are welcome. Yeah, I just realized how personal that was. I kind of forgot, I kind of forgot you mentioned. So I'll just tell you the story really briefly. This thing, and, I, and I, think it's, I think it's germane for this notion of understanding what happens in the sixth, cho- the sixth chakra. So it's located in the center of the forehead. And as you have ascertained from what has been said so far in this MP3, uh, left brain and right brain, you know, intuition and mind, or, or, or linear logical mind, left brain, and intuitive, impressionable, creative, artistic, flowy mind, right brain, those two are both associated with it. And of course, the organs of, some of the organs of perception, eyes, and also nose and nasal cavity, and ears, and brain, that whole like part of your, not the top of your head, that's the crown, the seventh chakra, but that section below it, basically down to the mouth, which kind of begins with the fifth chakra down through the neck. So the sixth chakra, you, you, it's about clear perception. And it's also about um, deciding what you would like to be true. Right? So it's about finding out what's true, but it's also about the lens through which you perceive reality. So you decide what you'd like to be true, and then you find out, you know, confirmation bias is how we've heard of it recently quite a lot. You, you have an idea, only what confirms it gets through to you. So um, that's the sixth chakra. And when you have an opening or healing event with the sixth chakra, you become aware of a new truth or the lens through which you're looking at shatters or cracks or changes color and you realize this whole time, I've been looking through a modification. I've been looking at everything in a modified way, or tainted even, is one of the, the things that you might feel. Suddenly I have clarity. Um, hopefully you're not deluding yourself, <laughs> but but in the sixth chakra, the, both of those potentials, seeing clearly and also deluding yourself are there. And when you have a shift, like if you use um, a, a stone that affects the sixth chakra, like Labradorite will balance left and right mind pretty quickly and then ground sixth chakra, both of those together, to the third chakra gut. So you have intuition married with gut instinct. It's very powerful for discerning patterns. Mukaite, on the other hand, is this slow, gentle, murky, musty, misty, something's happening, but you're not clear. You know, Labradorite uh, enhances clarity. Mukaite kind of does this back, this weird thing that I didn't really understand until this week. I had noticed before when I used it several years ago, because I did use it quite a lot when I first started working with it. I was in love with it. Um, I get really attached to a stone when I need the effect, the modification to my field and consciousness that it offers or promises. So when I was using it, I was using it to work on flexibility. As I mentioned in the when I was talking to Jehudi, I read that. 
uh, that part of it. Um, being open to new possibilities, flexibility, you know, that's one of the things that MOOC guide's good for. And also sometimes dreams and getting guidance through dreams. It's, it's not that it enables your guides to get through to you, it's that it does something within your sixth chakra that allows their nudges and input to get through to you, if that makes sense. It's not like you pick up Mukaite and suddenly your guide can talk to you. It's this slow, like I said, kind of murky, meandering, misty, fuzzy process, and then you realize you're getting more guidance. I, am, I do want to talk about a dream I had. I can't remember if it was... I think it was the day after I did this channeling. I do want to talk about that because it was, you know, I was having uncomfortable dreams. Um, I don't typically like having dreams. That's just my deal because I find them very confusing. You know, like, like most people I know either don't dream or they have dreams and they're, you know, in a, in a joyful state of appreciative wonderment at how weird the dreams are. I'm confused during the dream because I don't know I'm dreaming, and it makes waking up really disjointed and really uncomfortable. So I tend not to like dreams. <laughs> I spent years experiencing from my unconscious foreboding with just put on the 12th unconscious crap coming up in dreams. Terrible things wouldn't always happen, but there was the seeming threat or cloud on the horizon, and I felt ominous pressure and and dread. Anyway, when I started using Oralite 23 a few years ago, that stopped and I was really happy, but now we go back. <laughs> then I was dreaming like a normal person again, but now the last uh, few months, maybe the last year, it's been really kind of disjointed because I'm in the dream and I'm watching these things happen and I'm like, that that doesn't really happen. That I don't understand and I feel like everything's fucked up and I'm lost and whatever. Then I wake up to go pee and I don't understand what's happening and I can't go back to sleep because feeling being in my body doesn't jive with the vibe of the dream ever. So anyway, my sleeping has been kind of messed up the last few months because of, I've been remembering my dreams more. But anyway, with the mukaite, this has been stimulated. So I had this dream a few nights ago. Oh no, I got to tell you about the thing with my dad. Um, I think I did mention it in some audio diary here on SoundCloud a year ago or more, but I'll just say this, because when I had the realization I'm about to describe, it was singular. So essentially, I knew that my parents divorced before I was three. This was, of course, uh, you know, just part of my life, part of my childhood. Um, my mom ended up staying in the town where they had lived so that we would have a relationship with him. So my sister and I did have a relationship with him um, all throughout school and graduating. Okay. Because she knew if she left, he, he wouldn't have made an effort. Just because of whatever he was dealing with, he really wasn't prepared to be a parent. So um, anyway, so so I knew him, but there was this, 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 you know, it's really hard for me to describe what happened, honestly. Because, and this is part of the vulnerability thing that Jehudi was mentioning that my girlfriend had mentioned has mentioned several times over the last few weeks. Um, she said to me, I don't think you're ever really vulnerable. And because I think of myself as sensitive, I found that confusing and we had to talk about it. And then I was like, well, you're right. And it all goes back to this. When I'm two years old, whatever's going on in my parents' life together 
my dad loses it and walks out one day. Now, this I knew as a fact, but because I had developed this identity of strong, I couldn't factor into like a keyword for me, abandonment. Now, I work with clients all over the world on their abandonment issues. I never identified as somebody who had that because I have kept myself separated from this inner kid. The effects of the inner kid come up all the time in certain ways, but I don't walk around feeling the pain of abandonment because that to me is like a victim-y keyword. Okay, so about a year, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I put that together and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I have distanced myself from that. It didn't occur to me when I got that. Like, I can't even use the word. Even even today, it's hard because it, it starts to starts to put me on track to be in touch with the part of me that's so difficult to deal with that I've been dealing with, that I was talking to Jehudi about. And um, so I don't know how to acknowledge abandonment without feeling like a victim. And then I've got this inner two-year-old who needs something. So anyway, this is my Chiron work, Jupiter, transiting Jupiter in Libra. Uh, today's June 8th, tomorrow's June 9th. If, if all goes according to plan, <laughs> if I wake up tomorrow and it's the next day, uh, and Jupiter will station direct, meaning it has been retro for about four months since, um, I think, the first week in uh, early February 2017, it's stationing in exact opposition to my natal Chiron on the descendant, meaning Jupiter's on my ascendant and Venus. And one of my life patterns is I show up as Venus, Venus and Libra on the Libra ascendant, and I am met with an opposition by Chiron in other people. And so that's how this two-year-old thing has shown up, where I get rejection in lieu of abandonment. So it's like the more rejection I get, ideally the abandonment surfaces, but I have kept it at bay by insisting on being angry at the rejection. If you can see that pattern, I have kept myself from the thing that from the core of the pain, so I have in fact, inadvertently created a complex of angry shit because I, because I have refused to acknowledge the pain. Okay, so anyway, I'm getting this, I'm getting keyed into this. This is, this is like me being vulnerable, right? This is me telling you, oh, geez, this is me telling you the stuff. Anyway, um, who knows if I'll actually post this MP3. This is, so, okay. So I'm aware of, I'm a little aware of this, right, a year, year, year and a half ago, two years ago, and I'm kind of marveling at how I have constructed kind of mental protocols, you know, self-ideation patterns and emphases that avoid that acknowledging that part of me feels victimized or acknowledging that part of me feels so much pain that I feel like a victim. So then I'm creating this other thing about the rejection, which, or in, rejection slash indifference or people being unavailable is how it mostly shows up. People who care about me being unavailable chronically. And so then I feel rejected or whatever. And ultimately abandoned, right? 
So the point with a Mukai, I know you're like, well, I thought this was about Mukai. The point with a Mukaite is, I mean, yeah, Tom, I'm sorry you have all these emotional problems, but I wanted to hear about Mukaite. Um, the sixth chakra left brain part will create a narrative, will create contours of a story, thereby creating identity based in thought, feeling, deed, intention, whatever. The Mukaite has brushed away some of the solidity, like slowly and gently eroded without me noticing some of the solidity of the veneer. I'm using all these imagery, all these metaphor words, uh, has slowly eroded my ability to maintain the narrative that I don't have this pain. So like Jehudi said, you are no longer able to rest comfortably while overlooking the reality of what is occurring behind the curtain that causes the loneliness. So I had this dream the other night, and it's one of those where I'm just, I don't know I'm dreaming, and I'm confused because I don't understand. Things are, you know, things, as I explain it, you'll be like, yeah, of course, that is weird. So um, these friends of mine who have two kids um, ask me to take care of they're older. They only have one kid at the time, but now they have two. And uh, to take care of this kid for, I think it's like two, two and a half days or something. And I'm like, sure, why not? And uh, neither, none of us live in L.A. anymore, but this took place in L.A. And I have the kid in my car, and I'm in traffic, and I'm headed to, like, my place whatever, we're going to pick something up and whatever. We're just going to live our lives for a day and a half or two days. And the kid is in the passenger seat and, um, like, in the front seat, which is totally not right. And I'm like, I, why, why is the kid in the front seat? The kid is a girl. The kid is not talking. The kid is not needing to eat or poop or pee. The kid's, like, you know, whatever, two two years old. And the kid's not doing anything that a, a, chi- a toddler would do. The kid's not making noise, not writhing, not climbing, not crawling, not talking, not touching. The kid is just like sitting there and occasionally kind of slumps over and then gets up again, right? And in traffic, stuck in traffic in L.A., I realize I don't have the bag. Like, I don't have kids, but I, I see people in the world who have kids... And, and when they're little, there's always a bag. You know, the supplies and the things and the wipes and the diapers and the food and the water and the whatever. All the things, the the bag. I didn't have the bag. And I was like, but I'm stuck in the middle of traffic. And I, I you know, where I'm, where we're going right now, uh, I mean, I can, I, I would have to double back, but I can't even turn around right now if I wanted to double back, even if we had time. So I don't have the bag, and I'm realizing that the kid is going to be disappointed, but I feel handicapped, like I feel like powerless, I guess is the best word. I have no idea, like I forgot the bag. Who forgets the bag? I don't know what I'm doing is the point. I don't know how to take care of this kid. I don't even know what the kid needs. But then I realize the kid's not pooping or peeing. The kid's not making noise. The kid's not crying. But I know the kid is going to be disappointed in me. (laughs) 
and it's just super uncomfortable. Toward the end of the dream, I actually get to my place, and I'm just really aware of the heaviness of my self-judgment for having forgotten the bag. And now these other things have to happen, and I'm not sure what to do. Do I go back and get the bag? It's this whole deal about not having the tools or the, the materials to take care of the kid. And the kid is, at this point, disappointed. Like, I knew the kid would be disappointed, and now the kid is, in fact, disappointed. But but just kind of like it's a demeanor and a look. It's not really noise or words, right? So I, I think maybe a couple of the other things happen, but I, I wake up confused because I was like, I should never let the kid sit in the front seat because she fell over. Because she didn't fit, and the seatbelt didn't fit. You know, the whole... The, Anyway, the whole and I was woke up in like self judgment and like stress and it was it wasn't a nightmare, but for me it was a nightmare. For me it bordered on nightmare. And um so my girlfriend always loves her dreams, often does. And she was like, Oh, what'd you dream about? And I was like, I had a terrible dream, I don't want Anyway, I didn't tell her about it. I think I might have gotten up early and left so I wouldn't linger and try to remember it. And I told her about it later in the day or the next day, maybe the next day. And she was like, oh, of course, you feel unprepared to take care of this inner child that you have made contact with. <laughs> I was like, well, yes, of course. That doesn't it doesn't help me. Like, you know, I mean, stating the obvious, whatever, she's right. But it's just like, you know, frustra- I mean, how frustrated I have been because I don't, I don't know how to do it. Part of me says I don't know how to do it. Uh... So it's days a day or two later when I actually tap into that part, and it is overwhelming. And I'm sitting there. The, the, you know, I, I, I lead people into this space, and I help them come out of the space, right? And even if they get in there by themselves, into this, you know, sense of grief or loneliness or despair or depressiveness or just lone, sadness, right? That's overwhelming from the, the part that an inner kid is carrying. I'm I'm I do all kinds of multidimensional intuitive healing work on this stuff from past life stuff this life stuff whatever. But as I was uh, and it was in the afternoon and I was going to take a nap and I couldn't this stuff came up, and I was lying there feeling it, and I was crying a little, and I couldn't talk and and my girlfriend was there, and she asked me if I wanted to talk and I couldn't I couldn't even say I can't talk I just looked away, but there was this moment where. She was kind of holding me and watching me. And so we're facing each other and she's watching me. And I can't look at her because of what I'm feeling because this two-year-old is now on the surface. And it's depression, it's sadness, but it's like such an intense, horrible feeling. I want to die. I'm feeling as that two-year-old who needs to die so he can stop feeling this. And I'm aware of that. I'm watching it. I'm, I'm aware of how I'm looking away and not looking at her, but she's watching me. I'm aware of how my face is contorting, and then I cry a little, and then my eyes scrunch up and my face contort. Like, I'm aware of the physical expression of the emotion the baby's carrying and also the crying baby, toddler, or whatever. And I can feel her watching me, witnessing this. And it is totally surreal. 
Um, I've had a lot of weird experiences. This is this is right up there, if not the weirdest. This is right up there, because um, I was watching it happen, but I was in it. And I always tell people, when you have that inner kid thing come up that seems that does take over, or you have that other life fear or pain or sadness or whatever or anger or regret or guilt or shame or whatever, when it takes over, I tell people, feel it, open to it. And get grounded in the middle, like in the middle of that experience, so that you can stabilize it, and that part knows you're there. So essentially, I, I'm saying, client, <laughs> student, um, while you're feeling it, connect to the earth, get grounded, and take over. Like you're in the middle of the feeling, but take over. Be the strong person for that kid or that other life part so you're not swept away. And I could see how in that moment I was swept away. I rarely have that experience because I've cultivated the grounding thing to the point that I don't typically feel swept away often. But I needed to give in to feeling this. And it was horrible. And then I needed to... So I sent cords into the earth and I just called forward the centered grounded part of me who does teaching like this, who does counseling, who, who teaches people how to do all this stuff. And everything subsided, and I felt like myself more again, but hybrid, right, integrating that part. And it was really intense. And later I was able to talk and explain to her kind of what was going on. But she was watching me, and that was so critical, because that is holding space, wasn't asking her for anything. I wasn't, you know, curling up and burying, you know, my head against her because I was sad and lonely. I was letting that feeling within me happen and I wasn't stopping it and she was witnessing it. So this was really important for me, for her to be open to that, that somebody could see what I was experiencing. Therefore, I can assure this part that I'm not alone. And then I tell the part, because I'm here, the part who can get, the person who can get grounded, the 44-year-old adult who can get grounded and centered, I'm here too. So look, you're not alone in two ways. Okay, so that happened. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't want to be more vulnerable meaning I'm sensitive but not vulnerable. I don't want to be more vulnerable or sensitive because I don't want to be, okay, that's not like what I typically want to do. So I'm really aware, and then I do this channeling on the 4th. Actually, that this experience happened on the 4th as well, the crying bit. And I might have done the channeling afterward once I got clear again and grounded. But I then I had to get um, bottled water, and so I went to the store. And I felt different. I felt like, you know, this kid was with me in a certain way. And I go to the store and I got the water and then I realized I wanted this sparkling spring water that's flavored. I had to give up soda because I would I used to get soda with stevia in it. And then after a couple off and on, off and on, not like every day, but like off and on. Then after a while, a couple of years my body was like, "No." So I stopped and then I was, eh, you know, kind of like noticing its lack. So then I was getting like um, plain sparkling <laughs> spring water 
and putting it in like Tulsi tea, like holy basil tea. But then I was drinking too much holy basil tea because it's a diarrhea and whatever. I was like, too much. So uh, anyway, they have the flavored sparkling uh, water. So I started to get that and drink that once in a while. That, that, that like answers the whole problem. And um, so the lemon is what I wanted this day. I wanted, I wanted two of them. And they're on the very top shelf in the back. And I'm averaged height for a man born in the late 20th century. I'm five, a little over 5'9". I'm average man height. And um, I couldn't reach it. And I had to laugh because I had to go ask for help. Right? Chiron in the 7th. I had to go ask for help. So I went over to this guy. This employee. I, I kind of walked out of the aisle and looked around. There was this guy. I went over, this young guy. And I, and I kind of total smart-assy. I said, hello, sir. Could you please help me? And he said, sure. And he's kind of like getting I was being a smartass and so he was kind of laughing. And I said, I am typically tall enough for all the things that I need to do, but I need your help reaching this bottle of water. Will you help me? And he laughed and he followed me over. And I said, those are the bottles in the back. And he got them and I said, thank you very much. Because I was watching my, I had to reach out and ask for help, which I don't do. I overcompensate because of the mental construct of I'm not a victim. For those of you who know me, <laughs> you're going to say, or, or have worked with me, or are a subscriber, or a student, or you know, have done a lot of coaching work with me and know me pretty well, or even just if you know me personally, you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, you don't ask for help, do you? Huh. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm working on it. I um, typically find with Chiron in the seventh that when I ask for help, I can't get it, meaning people become unavailable just because I ask for help. Like, if I needed help, like for years and years and years, if I needed help and I called you, and I said, and I said you'd answer the phone, and I'd say, uh, look, friend, I could really use some support right now and just kind of tell you the story and just kind of like, I could just really use some human support. Right then, your dog's leg would break or something would bust in your house, a pipe, something would go wrong, or you'd get a headache, you'd get nauseous, something would go wrong, and you would become unavailable. So when you have a mental construct that you're not a victim, that just pisses you off, and that's kind of where I've been for, for years and years. So I stop asking for help, because obviously help is not available to me. So the parting of the, is, wasn't this about Mukaite? Yes, it, yes, yes it is. It was, and it is. Uh, Mukai parts the veil and I see the source of the creation of that pattern is um, this whole bit with avoiding the core of the pain of feeling rejected and abandoned. Anyway, it's been kind of a loud couple weeks. And then in the middle of all this, what what is called summer two, like summer II <laughs> in Tucson, um, begins. Summer one is kind of, I guess, part of April and then May. Um, and it's getting hotter. Summer two is when it suddenly gets punishingly hot. And it always affects me. But this year, again, because I've been working with Mukaite, I had the, in, I had the clarity to see what was happening. Usually, I realize in the summer I'm 
frankly, just impatient and aggravated. And I know it's because, you know, the, the acupuncture, um, the acupuncture dudes talk about how, you know, in the summer, everybody's chi is activated and the heat of, you know, the heat makes people more reactive and you see a lot of people driving like crazy people and a lot of impatience and not being grounded and stuff. Um, so I kind of have, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah. But what I noticed this year is that I have a generalized feeling of distress in my body because I have a headache because the air conditioning is on all the time. And it has to be because it's like you have a low, an overnight low of 73 and and, and a high during the day of 101, 105, 106, whatever, sometimes higher. Those farthest, but the highest I think has been 105 this week. But anyway, being inside an air-conditioned box in the house... And then feeling that weird energy outside of the heat, anyway, I feel sick. So I've been much less productive. I've been, you know, having a hard time getting shit done this week. Um, Not able to sleep, but lying in bed a lot more, being a lump. But anyway, I've noticed, because I'm more um, uh, sensitive in the sixth chakra intuition, clarity, perception uh, arena, that... I've seen what the process is and how my reaction to it is, so I've been much less bitchy this year. Uh, I call I call uh, Tucson Satan's oven. Um, started doing that years ago. Uh, I've been here almost eight years, by the way, which to me is like pff, insane. So anyway, um, yeah. So I so using the mukaite, it it clears the curtain. Like, when you use Labradorite, just a contrast, because I, I know a lot of you are going to be familiar, if you're familiar with crystals, it's one of the more gorgeous stones, Labradorite, that shimmery, shiny labradorescence that, that it offers. Um, and I know that a lot of people have gotten the program uh, Labradorite from me, so it's, chances are a lot of you hearing this have one. Um, it's more, the effect is more acute, and it can ha- the, the, the knowing can come in minutes the kind of balancing left and right brain and then grounding it, then clarity comes, can be very, very quick. This is a slow process with the mukaite. Um, and just to continue with it and spend more time with it without sleeping with it every day, uh, because these dreams are making me nuts, and it's a little overwhelming to get to the place where I felt that two-year-old. I have to go back and do it and deal with it. But to have that first contact is amazing, yet it's a little overwhelming. I can't do it every day. So I'm holding the two red mukaites now, but um, I'm not sleeping with them all the time. But anyway, I've been making more in the garage. I've been kind of inventoried the rough rock that I have from the last couple years that I hadn't cut because I thought it was just too hard. It turns out um, sometimes different colors are not as hard as other colors, and it comes in a wide variety of colors. And there's like browns and purples and beiges and grays and dark greens and yellows and burgundy and white and gray and army green and olive. And it's all kinds of crazy colors. Everything basically except like blue and sometimes even purple, like a rich purple. Um, And it seems like the ones with the gray and the dark purple are the hardest and so I've been able to um, finish a bunch more pieces. I keep saying I'm going to take pictures and put them up on my website because I haven't had mukaite up there for a couple years. Um, and I will uh, when I get over this weather thing and the vertigo thing and everything else. Um, but so I've been making the stones, and that helps me 
stay connected to the vibration and spend more time and learn more about them. So Mukaite will be available soon. And uh, um, yeah, so this is part of the teaching to go with that. I try to put up materials to explain, you know, what's going on with stones. What I want you to really take away with the Mukaite is that kind of gentle brushing away of the veneer, which is which is your linear logical minds, you know, control-based container or control-based script, so you can perceive the world in a certain way. I do think of Mukai, by the way, as related to Gemini in a certain way, which is where the sun is right now, uh, because it's about that fresh perspective. You know, new perspectives. It's not, like for me, it doesn't feel light. It's not outgoing and airy, like I kind of feel Gemini. But the idea of new energy and new perspectives and flexibility, I definitely associate uh, with both Gemini and uh, Mukai. So, in this case, you know, it took me to a new perspective on how I have constructed a personality. Essentially, I do. Um, let's see. Should I do this? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I'll just tell you this, just so, you, just so, you, just so you know, dear, dear friend. Um, so I said, one day my dad walked out. What happened after that is, two-year-old Tom lost his shit. Of course, right? Of course. And apparently, my mom told me this several years ago in the process of apologizing for what I'm going to describe she did. <laughs> um, but of course, I didn't remember anything. And so I didn't, you know, I wouldn't had no Ill, Ill will about this. She said that for, I think she said for two, two and a half weeks, at least two weeks, I sat on the floor in the house and cried, I want my daddy. Like, screamed. Grief. Crying, right? The, like... So, A, her husband just walked out on her and her two kids. My sister's about two years older than me. Um, so, A, she just got left. She's got to deal with these two kids. And the one with the Pluto conjunct Venus in the 12th <laughs> and the uh, Mercury and Sagittarius and the Jupiter and Capricorn in the 3rd, the big mouth one, <laughs> is wailing and screaming and crying so my mom couldn't deal and I would say over and over and over again I want my daddy and she would say she did say this is what she apologized for what would she say then go find him <laughs> don't think my mom is cruel my, my son conjunct Uranus and Gemini in the 8th house mother she's not cruel but she, you know, that was her way of trying to deal with it. She didn't know what to do. Of course not, right? So eventually, we can assume, I mean, eventually, I stopped. I stopped communicating that I had this pain. Because obviously, no one cared. And that, oh my God, I'm going to start crying now. Um, and that's kind of the state of that part of me. Remember I told you in the dream, the baby didn't do baby things. The baby was numb. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting, I'm, I'm describing what appeared to be the case. 
the baby appeared to be numb and not lifeless, but kind of almost an automaton, a little robotic, not expressive. And because that has been vibrating, like I said, my indifference or rejection thing that comes to me when people become unavailable or are uninterested in helping me when I ask, um, you know, that whole cycle or that whole like cycle of reactivity, I'm asking for help, but I'm not available to help this part of me, so I get indifference or rejection or unavailability. I don't know if you get that, but I think I'm going to leave it there. But that's that's kind of what's going on with this. And, um, yeah, so there you go. That's a Mukaite diary, but that's also my therapy. Look, I have to unload my shit, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Oh, my God, now I'm tired. Well, thanks for playing, and maybe you'll come over again next week <laughs> or something, and, and we can have tea or something. I have a lot of holy basil tea, Tulsi tea. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for playing. Thanks for listening. Um, take care. <laughs>